Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. As we enter into a new year, it's a good time to think about uh, new beginnings, right? And we're coming to the end of one year, one period of time. We're going into a new year, and uh, this is when uh, many people will make uh, new commitments in their lives or resolutions and such things. Um, I usually don't do those because why do it at the new year? Why not just make a change when you need to make a change? Um, so uh, but that's, that's just kind of my philosophy on things. So, But if that helps you, go for it. Uh, good for you. So, uh, but today we're looking at a passage that really hits on this topic of new beginnings. Um, and in Genesis today, we're getting to God's call on Abram's life. And, uh, and so this is a big change for him. Um, a lot of new things are happening here. And I think there's a lot of tie-ins between that and us. Um, and I think we can learn a lot from this. Um, starting out, uh, we again are in one of our favorite things. We're in a genealogy um, in uh, Genesis chapter 11. Um, and in this, this gene- genealogy, what I want to propose to you that I see here is hope, is optimism, is things are looking up. Because this genealogy is going and it's, it's the connecting piece between Noah and the flood, God's moment of judgment, God's moment of almost taking out the entire human race, to the population being built back up, people coming back, people spreading throughout the earth as God had told them to do. Even though they had that little hiccup at Babel, they're now doing what God had told them to do. They're spreading out, they're filling the earth as God had instructed, and things are looking up. Um, also, as we, we look at this genealogy, you might think back, and if you were here a few weeks back, uh, we looked at another genealogy in Genesis chapter 5. And in that one, we saw um, really an emphasis on with each person except for one, it said, and he died, and he died, and he died. And we made the point with that, that coming out of the fall, coming out of Adam and Eve, doing what God said, don't do. They said, hey, if you do this, you're going to die. And they did it. And what happened? And he died and he died and he died. And what you're, you will not see in the genealogy today are those words. It doesn't make the emphasis on death that the one in Genesis 5 made. Instead, it's making an emphasis on And he had another kid, and then they had more kids, and more and more kids, and more and more kids. And so instead of coming at it with a, oh man, this is a horrible thing, uh, let's come at this one today with things are looking up. There's good days ahead. God is at work, and things are happening. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 10. These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arpachshad, two years after the flood. And Shem lived with his father at Arpachshad 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arpachshad had lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. And Arpachshad lived after he fathered Shelah 403 years and had 
other sons and daughters. And when Shelah had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he'd fathered Pedleg. And Eber lived after he fathered Pedleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Peleg had lived 30 years, he'd fathered Reu. And Peleg lived after he fathered Reu 209 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Reu had lived 32 years, he'd fathered Sarag. And Reu lived after he fathered Sarag 207 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Sarag had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And, and Sarag lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. And Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So there we get to Abram, okay? So this was the connecting piece between Noah and Abram. And God, is just, in his word, is just laying out for us this, this connection. Um, but as I was just pointing out to you, we don't see in there, and he died. Instead, when it comes to the end of each one, what does it emphasize? And he had other sons and daughters. And he had other sons and daughters. Had other sons and daughters. And that's a good thing, right? Kids are a blessing from the Lord. And we get to celebrate that. We get to rejoice in that. And I hear a lot um, among Christians today of negativity, of how bad things are, of looking at all of the negative in the world and getting really down and upset about the way things are. But I want to challenge you to maybe this year take the approach of looking at things of, and they had other sons and daughters. We came to that moment of, it couldn't get much worse than the flood, right? And it's coming back from there. Things are building up. God's at work. He's still blessing people. People are, are, are things, good things are happening. Are bad things happening too? Sure. But are we going to choose to focus on those things or can we choose to focus on the good things? Can we choose to focus on the, on the ways that God is blessing, on the ways that, that he is at work, the ways that, that his kingdom is growing, the ways that his will is going forward? As Christians, which one do we choose to focus on? Because there are a lot of good things to be excited about in the days ahead. There are. God's word is full of promises that haven't all come true yet. And so we have a lot that we can look forward to. Because God is good for his word. That's one thing we're going to be looking at further in this passage. But I want to challenge you today that maybe if, if your mind, if you get stuck in that loop of kind of negativity or like, oh, how bad things are, or oh, how, how negative everything can be, I want to just encourage you to maybe look at the other side of the coin. Look at what God is doing. Look at the way things are working. Look at, look at, at the good that's out there. And try to focus in on that this year. Um, now, now, the story does start to narrow in here on one family. And, it, and this, is, this is a big family in the history of the world, if we're just honest, like, take the Bible out of the equation, okay? This family is a key family that all Christians, Jews, and Muslims all point back to as a key family in their, their history and in their faith, right? 
So that's a big part of the world, right? Uh, when you take those three groups, that's a lot of us peoples, okay? And we all point back to this family as being a key family in our faith. So let's, let's listen to what, what Scripture does say about this family. So Genesis 11, starting in verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot, and Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no children. And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, his son, Haran, his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Okay? So they, they're a family. They're on the move. Um, what does that mean? That means they're doing exactly what God told them to do after the flood, right? They're spreading out. They're filling the earth. They were in this one area with the Chaldeans. Now they're moving on. Um, and they're heading, towards, they, they're heading towards Canaan as a family here. But then they get to this place that they call Haran. We can assume they named it after um, the Haran that was their son that died, Lot's father. Um, and so they get to this place that's known as Haran, and they settle there. And that's where they decide to live, and they've got their life established there. Things seem to be going well for them there. And, uh, and yeah, it seems like they've kind of got life figured out, right? Um, and even in that, we can make this point that I kind of just made that, hey, they're obeying God. They're doing what God said. They're spreading out. And we could almost make it, and some people have made it, where they say this genealogy we just read, this is, this is a line of holy men. This is, a, this is a line of those who have followed God's commands coming out of the flood, leading up to Abram. But the thing is, that's not what the Bible says about these people. All right? Um, if we look over at Joshua uh, 24 and verse 2, it says this. So this is... This is later on. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, they served other gods. So we can't make the case that these were holy and righteous people. They were serving other gods. In fact, just in a, a little bit later where we'll get to in Genesis um, is when Jacob goes and, and he, he marries his cousins, right? Um, and, uh, and then he's going to go back to the promised land with them. Uh, one of his wives, what does she do? She steals her, God, her father's idols to take with them. So these, this was an idolatrous group who worshipped fake, false gods and so we can't build the argument that, hey, these were, these were people that really stuck with God. But what we can see here is that even if you do not know God, you can still obey God. See, it's possible to obey God without knowing God. And that's what, 
their family's doing here, even if they didn't know that's what they were doing. They're, they're spreading out, they're filling the earth, just as God has said, but they don't know him. They're worshiping false gods while they're doing that. And one of the things that I, I hear a lot of negativity from Christians today is about just the state of morality in our world today, right? And how much our world doesn't line up with God's word and how all of the bad things that we see that people are doing. And I want to tell you, from my perspective, what's worse, that they don't obey God or that they don't know God? Because if our goal is, is just to get people to obey God, then yeah, we, we legislate and we pass laws and we do all of these things to try to make people do things God's way. And some good, can good, good come from that? Sure. Is God's way of living the best way of living? Sure, absolutely. But if our goal is just to legislate these things and try to force people into compliance to God's way of life, but yet we're not introducing them to him. We're not bringing them to Jesus where they can come to know him and know who he is and be able to worship him. And that's going to be pretty empty and void. And let's all be honest. If it weren't for knowing him, none of us would really try to obey him. Sure, we might try to be good. We might try to, whatever is considered good by our society standards, we try to live up to those things because we want, to, we want to be seen as good people. But at our root, at our core, at who we are, if it weren't for knowing Jesus, what would my life look like? If it weren't for knowing Jesus, what would your life look like? See, that's the main component. That's the main thing. And if, if we lead people to, as, as Warren was praying for our city, if I, imagine the impact if our city was known for being people who know Jesus. What would it look like here? How would things change? If our country was known for being people who know Jesus, how would things change? What would be different? As Emily is going to Africa, and other, we support missions throughout the world. What does that look like for Jesus to be known, for people to have a relationship with him, to have that in their life as a part of their life? We don't do missions for the sake of spreading morality. We don't do missions for the sake of spreading rules and regulations. We do missions for the sake of spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that says no matter what set of rules you set up for yourself, you're going to fail. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the one who lived perfectly up to God's standard, and he is the one that met all of God's requirements, and yet he paid the price by dying on the cross for our sins. And that's why we do missions. That's why we take the gospel to other parts of the world. Now, see, all that was just a genealogy. <laughs> Let's jump into Genesis 12, where we see more about this Abram guy. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, 
all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram is sitting here in his nice, comfortable life with his family, doing his thing, kind of wishes he had a kid, but he doesn't have a kid. But his brother died, and it kind of seems like he kind of adopted his nephew. And so he's got his life. He's got things figured out. He's sitting here worshiping his false gods. He's, he's doing all of this. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, the Lord shows up. And the Lord calls him. He says, hey, Abram, here's my plan for you. Pack up and leave this place. You, you need to obey me. You need to do what I'm going to say. Go from this country, from your family and your father's house, from all your, your, your people group. Leave them and go over here to another place. Leave your family behind and go. as God's call on Abram. This is the, the first record we have of any interaction between Abram and the one true God. And God shows up and tells him, here's what you need to do. Get out of here. Take off. Take off. Bring your immediate family with you. Go. And, and so this is the way that God works. Even in the midst of this guy who is not living to glorify God. He is not living to advance God's kingdom. He's not living to obey. He's worshiping false gods most likely. And God shows up in his life right then and right there. And he calls him and says, hey, you're mine. Come to me. I've got a plan for you. And that's what God does with us. He shows up and he comes into your life and he says, hey, you're mine. I've got a plan for you. Come follow me. Come with me. Here, I've got everything set. I've got good things in store for you. Um, but here, first step, listen to me and obey. And you, you might be like, well, Wayne, how does, how does that work? Well, today that works through the gospel. Today that works through the gospel going forward and it coming into your life and you're hearing the good news that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He lived a sinless life, died on a cross and rose again three days later. That comes, in, comes to your life and the Holy Spirit uses that and he puts that into your heart and he says, hey, you want this. And if you ever have that moment where you're feeling like, hey, I, I want this, that's God calling you. So don't ever get bent out of shape. They're like, oh, well, I haven't heard God's voice. I haven't heard, you know, I don't, I don't know if God's called me. If, he, if he's put that into your heart and you want that, the only explanation for that is that's God. That's him doing that in you. Because in and of ourselves, that's not what we desire. We don't desire to take someone else and put them on the throne. In and of ourselves, we desire to put ourselves on that throne, Right? But when, when that call comes into our hearts, that's Jesus coming through the power of the Holy Spirit and saying, hey, I've got a plan for you, but here's the deal. I need to be on the throne. And so have you answered that call? Have you said, yes, Lord, you can have the throne. You're in charge over my life. I want to obey you. I want to listen to you. But here's the thing about God's call. 
God's call comes with commands and promises. The gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of the gospel, it is free. It costs nothing. You cannot pay anything for it. You cannot do enough to earn it. You cannot do anything to deserve it. It is a completely free gift. That's why it's called grace. It's something that God gives us. And we can't do anything to be good enough for it. But when we receive it, we know that the only response to that that's proper is obedience. Is giving my all back to you. You've given me the best thing in the world, the best thing that I could ever receive. And so my only response is yes, Lord, to whatever you want. That's why it's, it's so good to hear Emily sharing this morning. And it's so emotional for all of us to hear she's just saying, yes, Lord. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know what my next month has in store. I've never been to this continent before. But yes, Lord. And that's what it, it means to be a Christ follower is to be able to say, yes, Lord. And it's through Abram that you see it there. And you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So even here, Abram didn't know what that meant. You think he had any idea what God's talking about when he says that? <laughs> I don't. But now looking back, we do. We know that that means Jesus was coming through Abraham's family. That through Abram's family, Jesus was going to come and be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. All peoples. And that is why we do missions. That is why we go and we share. That's why we give. It's because we want that, me that message to go to all the families of the earth. All the peoples of the earth. So what does Abram do? Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So imagine this. The Lord shows up. He tells you, hey, move to this land I'm giving you. You pack up everything. You listen. You obey. And this wasn't like, you know, you call two men in a truck, right? Like, this is, this is walking a lot, carrying stuff a lot, right? Like animals, maybe carts. Like you're, and he's moving all of this stuff a long distance. And you get there. And the Canaanites live there. <laughs> right? I mean, even as I was talking about, let's be optimistic, let's be positive, but that would have to be a kind of negative moment. <laughs> when you, you just listen to God who showed up and he said, hey, move everything. You go through all this trouble, you get there, and the place is occupied. And you're like, man, what is this? So then the Lord shows up again and he says this. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. He shows up again with a promise. And now, us looking back, we can see, yeah, God's good for his promises. He kept his promises to Abram. But in the moment, do you know, do you think Abram was really seeing those promises fulfilled? 
not really. He's really acting on a lot of faith. He's really acting on a lot of like, yeah, well, God's promised, so I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I can't see it right now. He's promising it's through, through my bloodline, through, my, through me, he's making a nation. I don't even have a kid, but somehow he's going to make a nation out of me. Right? And in fact, God made multiple nations out of him. Is what we see has happened through history. But here in this moment, he wouldn't see that. So I want to challenge us today that maybe we're in a moment where God has made promises that maybe we can't see them fulfilled yet. And maybe we're in that moment where we want to maybe let that pessimism slip in or that negativity slip in and say, I don't know if this is really panning out. But let me encourage you. Let's, let's be encouraged by Abram and what he does here. That just based on faith, he obeys. And even though he couldn't see the blessing, he counted the blessing as coming. So maybe in your life right now, you're in a place where you can't see the blessing. You can't see the good that God is working through whatever situation you're in. But let me encourage you that it's coming. That God is faithful and he is good. And if he, if he has promised something, he is good for it and he will bring it to bear. And so what does Abram do in response to all of this? In verse 8, says this. From there he moved to the hill country of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. So what does he do? He keeps moving around, but he stops to worship. Just simply based on God's promises alone. He stops to worship the Lord. Now, our worship looks different today. We don't build altars and sacrifice animals because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice and we no longer need to do any of that. But we do come to him and worship. And I want to challenge you, if you are making New Year's resolutions, I I challenge you to resolve to worship the Lord this year. Worship him for faith. Worship him for the promises he's made. Worship, for, worship him for the good things that he's given us in Jesus. Worship him for the promises not yet realized. For the things of the future we haven't even seen yet. But praise and worship him for those things. And so, even with, with Abram, did you see this? Which God did he worship? And he said, um, back in verse 7, it said this, So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Which God? His family worshipped all these false gods. Which one? The one that had come to him. The one that had appeared to him. That was the way that he knew the Lord. That was the way that he knew who he was worshipping. And so who do we worship? We worship the one who has come to us. We worship the one who came from heaven to earth, lived as a man, died on a cross, and rose again three days later. This is the God whom we worship. This is Jesus. And this is who it all matters for. So I want to ask you, 
For Abram, simply the promise was enough. For you, is the promise enough? Is the, are the promises of God enough for us? It was for him, and that worked out in the end pretty well for him. But for us, what are those promises? What are the promises that God has given to us? I just want to close today by reading some of these promises to you. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And my God, shall, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles sink after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. 
For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? These are all promises from God's word. And just as he made promises to Abram, that maybe Abram in the moment couldn't see them being fulfilled just yet, God was good for his word. He was good for his promises. And he's made these same promises to us. Many of these promises are all rooted in Christ Jesus. And that is the main thing. And knowing him is the most important thing. So I want to encourage you, if you do not know Jesus, you can today. Maybe today you feel that tug in your heart saying, I want that. That's him calling you. Answer and say, yes, Lord. If you've had that tug in your heart, if you know him, if you have that relationship with him, I want to encourage you, what is he calling you to right now? What is the next step for you? What is the next part of your journey? For Abram, it was, let's keep moving around. But what is it for you? Where is God calling you today? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good that you are our Lord and our King. There is none like you. You are holy and righteous and just. And Lord, just in the same way that you called Abram, I thank you that, that you've called us and that you've done so through the power of the Holy Spirit working through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that you didn't leave us on our own. You didn't leave Abram where he was. But you came into his, his life, you came into his situation, you met him, and you called him to yourself. And that's my story, and that's so many of our story here. And we thank you for that story, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness to do this for us. I pray all of this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.